When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, preventing the development of antimicrobial resistance, AMR, grazing, and several other relevant topics. But first, details of some upcoming events. The AGM of Vantry area of West Cork ICMSA will take place on Tuesday, 1st of November. Venue will be the Maritime Hotel, Bantry, 8pm. The meeting will be addressed by the ICMSA Policy Officer, Alicia Ryan, and chaired by John O'Mahony of Bantry, with Mark Lynch of Ballet de Hob acting as Secretary. The agenda for the meeting will include dairy and beef outlook, nitrates and climate changes, effects on farming, and CAP. Elections will be held for officers and members of the National Council of the ICMSA. Queries about eligibility to vote should be directed to the head office at 061-314-677. That's the AGM of Bantry Area of West Cork ICMSA. Venue, Maritime Hotel, Tuesday, 1st of November, 8pm. Public information meetings regarding the new Environmental Acre Scheme will be held at the following venues. On Thursday, 3rd of November, Ovane Falls in Ballylicky, 7.30. Friday, 4th of November, Kenmare Mart, 7.30pm. Tuesday, 8th of November, Durris Hall, 7.30. Any queries, kindly contact Trisha Dean at the following number or website, 087-203-1034 or email pdean at skdp.net or lowercase. That's 087-203-1034. Next, details of an important conference taking place on the 4th of November at the Fergrove Hotel in Mitchellstown. Minister of State with special responsibility for research and development for farm safety and new market development, Minister Martin Hayden. First of all, Minister, welcome to the programme. Now, your party... Thank and you, Ad- You're very welcome indeed. Now, of course, uh, all of the Irish political parties are very concerned about the development of uh, rural Ireland and the nation's agriculture. When we had the financial crash some years ago, we found agriculture stood by us. So would you please remind our listeners about Fidegale's plan to hold the first in a series of regional conferences on agriculture and rural development? Yes, I'm delighted to do that, John, and thanks for the opportunity to inform your listeners about the um, Fine Gael National Agricultural Food and Rural Development Forum's uh, regional conference that will be held in the Fergrove Hotel in Mitchellstown on Friday the 4th of November at 8pm. 
And people, your listeners may remember that um, Fine Gael held a, um, a, a national conference um, on agriculture and rural affairs in Tullamore last spring. And out of that, this forum was formed um, and Eddie Downey, former president of the IFA, was elected as its uh, chairperson. And it, it's a coming together of uh, a number of people across the agriculture and rural affairs areas. Um, and ultimately now we're going on the road where we want to be out and about holding regional meetings of the forum with the general public. Volatile prices uh, for farmers on input costs or the dereliction of some of our towns and villages and the need to uh, invest and upgrade and enhance our, our towns and villages in rural Ireland. Um, you know, the movement of young people uh, to our larger urban conurbations and the, the need to address the likes of public transport and other infrastructure. Speakers on the night in the Fergrove Hotel um, at this regional conference, um, which is on Friday the 4th of November, um, will include Minister Simon Coveney, um, as well as Louise Crowley, a dairy farmer and National Dairy Council ambassador, and Helen O'Donnell, who's um, from the Limerick-based uh, business Dolman Catering, um, rules and made it um, you know, very attractive from a taxation perspective, and that has allowed more land to be freed up on a medium-term basis now for younger farmers um, who can plan accordingly and move away from that Conacre system. You know, our agri-food exports account for 9.5% of total exports, over 164,000 jobs all around the country. Um, and as I say, nowhere is that more keenly felt than in the rural communities of Munster. And that's why we're um, delighted to be able to have our first regional forum Forum, uh, in Munster with Minister Coveney uh, as well as myself from the Department of Agriculture and, and a number of other um, outside players. At the Fine Gael National Agriculture, Food and Rural Development uh, Forum, it will be in the Fairgrove Hotel in Mitchellstown and it's on Friday the 4th of November at 8pm. All are welcome. Thank you very much indeed, Minister Martin Hayden, Minister of State with special responsibility for research and development, farm safety as well as new market development. Thank you, Minister Hayden, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Next, Ploughing news from West Cork. As Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. Now, I understand you have a ploughing update regarding ploughing matters in the west of the county, Cork West. Yes, John. Thank you very much. Cork West Ploughing Association recently held their annual general meeting and the following officers were appointed. President, Dan Joe Driscoll. Chairperson, Richard White. Vice Chairperson, Daniel O'Riordan. Secretary, Barry O'Sullivan. Treasurer, Rachel O'Driscoll. PRO and Facebook, Caroline Jennings. Uh, at this time, I would like to take the opportunity to thank John Hurley, our former treasurer, who has stepped down from the role, and, and we would like to thank him for all his hard work and help over the years. The ploughing matches for the upcoming 22-23 ploughing season are as follows. Clannacilty, 30th of October, 2022. Caramore, 13th November, Kilbritton, 20th of November, the Novice, 27th of November, and the venue for that has yet to be confirmed. Bandon, 8th of January, 2023, Kilmeen, 15th of January, Timaleague, the 22nd of January, Kilgock, the 29th of January. The county final is to be hosted by McCroom on the 12th of February. All the above dates are all subject to change. Last weekend, Ireland was represented at the Five Nations Ploughing Championships in Scotland by Jim Grace Cork West and Jimmy Ryan Leash. Both men and did exceptionally well, with Jim Grace coming runner-up in conventional and Jimmy Ryan reversible champion. Clannacilty Ploughing Association are to hold their annual ploughing match tomorrow Sunday, the 30th of October, weather permitting, on the lands of the Toomey family, Little Land Clannacilty. Ploughing will commence at 10.30am sharp. Entries are to be 
with me, Caroline Jennings, today by 12 noon, 087-6779-553. Now, I'll repeat that phone number again, 087-6779-553. Thank you, John. That's Grant. Thank you very much indeed. Ms. Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Caroline. Thanks a million. Thank you. Okay, John. Thank you. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Martin Kavner, Business Development and Sustainability Manager for Munster Bovine. Martin, welcome to the programme. Now, as a person concerned with advising people about animal health and fertility, would you please outline to our listeners the hazards of AMR, what exactly those letters AMR stand for, and how dairy farmers can take steps by availing of uh, Munster bovine services and advice to avoiding the great dangers of AMR to animals and indeed to our own human race. John, thanks very much for having me on the programme. And I spent a long time, I qualified as a veterinary surgeon back, uh, back in the 90s and using antibiotics all my life uh, to treat animals at, 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 at different levels. I think people can get very um, confused by all these acronyms like AMR. What does that mean? So AMR is standing for antimicrobial resistance. And it's the resistance of the, resistance of the bacteria to the antibiotics we're using. So if we have a, a population of, of bacteria that are causing an infection in a person or an animal, and if we don't use, or if we're using antibiotics repeatedly on these same similar types of, of bacteria all the time, some of these bacteria survive the, the antibiotic. And these bacteria are resistant bacteria now that have been created. They, they breed and they proliferate in the environment and in the animals. And unfortunately then, if we pick up these strains of bacteria, our animals are infected with these strains of bacteria, our antibiotics are, are less useful and the risk of animals, and for that matter, people, having very, very severe infectious disease is much, much higher. Munster Bovine Services, your company, Munster Bovine Services, you offer several methods by which people can avoid overdosing the indiscriminate use of medicines, as it were, and indeed legally from January of this year, 2022, the concept of selective dry cow therapy, SDCT, has been legally necessary. So you might explain to our listeners what exactly selective dry cow therapy is, SDCT. Sure, look, and, and I think farmers are often, you know, victims of, of press about how antibiotics are being used. And there's almost an implication that by farming that we're using antibiotics intensively so that we get high production from cows or we keep them well. And it's interesting, really, Ireland is, is a relatively low consumer of antibiotics, particularly in the bovine world, but where we do use quite a lot of antibiotics, or we use antibiotics, let's say, in healthy animals, we use it for, uh, when we're drying cows off at the end of their lactation, um, antibiotics are put into each quarter within the other uh, to deal with infections that are present there or help prevent new infections. And we've relied on that technology for many, many years as part of um, plans to reduce mastitis and cell count within herds. So the movement we see now, uh, aided and abetted by, by the regulation as such, is, is, is the determination to use less antibiotics across the whole herd. And an easy uh, win for us is to reduce the, the number of quarters in healthy cows that we're putting antibiotics into at dry-off. And that's the, that's the explanation. 
So rather than having what we call a blanket dry cow therapy where every quarter in every udder in every cow gets treated with an antibiotic, we now are only selecting the udders of, uh, the udders of cows that are defined as unhealthy as such. And indeed, in your several-page article, great detailed article in the October issue of the Jerry Gold magazine, Milk Matters, you start off by using a very handy phrase, which, of course, has an economic spin-off, a positive economic spin-off for the farmer, talking about the use of remedies. Use as little as possible, but as much as necessary. So in that way, it's economically viable. There's a good economic as well as health reason for being careful and administering carefully the prescribed amount of medicines and remedies where they are necessary. Yeah, and, and that's what it really, really boils down to, John, is, is that using, using as little as possible, but as much as necessary, necessary because we, we have to remember, too, that if animals have infections, if we have situations where an animal has disease, they are deserving of treatment. And, and that's within from a welfare point of view and also from the economic point of view that we want to maintain health uh, and milk quality as such. So all that milk that's been supplied into your co-ops is, is, is of a high milk standard and a high quality standard. So that's very important. And again, we're very lucky in Ireland that only a very small percentage of our milk uh, as such is will be of lower quality because of, the, because of cell count, because our overall co-op standards are very, very high. So what the farmer has to determine here is which ones are the cows that do need an antibiotic. So I can approach a little bit of a different way. Let's find the girls in there that actually need to be treated. And the best way of doing that currently is by milk recording. And if we milk record cows, so we take a sample uh, of milk four to six times a year, depending on the scheme you're on, and we check the cell count, which is representative of an infection in that uh, in that cow's udder. And if that cell count is high, in this case, we look at cows that are over, say, 100,000 cells per mill of milk, that these cows that we'd be recommending to get an antibiotic therapy at dry off. There are still some people who aren't actually milk recording, as I understand it. Sure, yeah. And again, with, with due respect, uh, um, looking at milk recording and why people may or may not do it, milk recording is a hell of an inconvenience when you're milking cows. It, it, generally, farmers have to do it themselves with the DIY system largely. Um, it's a point measurement during the year, and, 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 and the results represent that point in time. So there, there, there's issues or negatives around milk recording. But the overall benefit of milk recording is positive. So unfortunately, for some farmers who are not doing uh, milk recording, legislation is going to push them in that direction. Um, for farmers who are doing milk recording, hopefully it will generate greater benefit out of getting those results and reports. So, so we have to take everything within the round. Um, we have to suffer some pain to get results, but completely acknowledge the fact that some, there was a genuine case for farmers to not to record in previous years. So we need to be careful that we're not using it as a blunt instrument just to say, okay, everybody has to do this because we're regulating you to. We have to get genuine value and use out of this when farmers go to the trouble, the expense and the inconvenience of milk recording. So it's an aspiration, obviously, but there are benefits if you can pursue milk recording, if you can make the time for milk recording, something worth aspiring to, a target to be aimed for. Can I ask you at this point, um, speaking to Mr. Martin Kavanagh, 
from Bovine, from Munster Bovine. Can I ask you if you have any phone contacts or names of personnel or names of personnel or online contacts where people can find out more about their own specific herd and how to deal with any problems they might be guarding against and indeed to put people in touch with the many services which Munster Bovine, your company, offer to our listeners, to dairy farmers. Yep, absolutely. And look, you can find us on MunsterBovine.ie. Uh, there's a, our standard contact into the main centre, 022 um, And again, if, if you go to the recording section when you're prompted that way on, on, on the phone dial-in, uh, the lads will be very, very happy to help you in terms of setting up milk recording and so on. Um, and we're looking at, I suppose, about 70% of farmers currently uh, are getting involved in, in, in milk recording, and there will be quite a few more. And hopefully uh, the expectation or aspiration within the country that over 90% of the cows will be milk recorded in the future. And that body of data alone um, on, on the national herd will contribute hugely to the actual success of the overall dairy industry. So there is, there is a public good within the milk recording and data collection piece. And also the more we do it, the more demand there is for it, the more pressure there, are, there is on that system, the better the systems will develop uh, within carrying out milk recording and also how we interpret the reports, like us using things like the FarmOps app that we have and so on, which it does uh, an intensive analysis job on the milk recording results to give you an idea of what cows should be treated. And in particular, you can use it for um, selecting cows for selective dry cow therapy. And before we go, you refer to farm ops and dry-off mm. management. I think that's covered pretty extensively in your several-page article on issue 1 on 5 October 2022 of the Dairy Gold Milk Matters magazine, the value of farm ops and dry-off management for farmers. With everything like we can go through, recording and generating of data and numbers and farmers are often awash with this stuff and reports coming in and again with all the work that has to be done on the farm it can be very difficult to take the time uh, to sit down and start to interpret what all this stuff means and and now it's becoming so much more uh, important to start interpreting this uh, material some people will find that using a tool uh, based on their phone which will do that analysis pick out the worst cows select the cows that are suitable for teeth sealer only, select the cows that are suitable for long-acting antibiotics and so on. It it, it makes it a lot simpler. So we condense that data into some useful information pretty quickly on uh, on your phone. And the vast majority of us are well used to using smartphone apps and so on. And in general, something like PharmOps is quite easy to navigate. So uh, even for milk recording interpretation alone, it's useful. Also, it will include the information in terms of, you know, the top and bottom 20% uh, best and worst producing cows, um, which we can give you a pointer in terms of what cows to breed from in the following year. Speaking to Mr. Martin Kavner, Business Development and Sustainability Manager, Monster Bovine, one or two numbers there, perhaps the main number in Ballyville where people can contact Monster Bovine personnel and discuss arrangements to avail of Monster Bovine services. So the main contact number for Monster Bovine is 022-43228, and the switchboard will pass you on to the recording section. And Martin, you want to remind our listeners about the milk recording bonus 
offered by our sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. And John, it's also important to note that uh, Dairy Gold Co-op do subsidise milk recording by offering uh, farmers who milk record uh, a sustainability bonus. So as part of their milk price, there is an addendum to that milk price uh, which will which will support the cost of, of milk recording. And in fairness, since that bonus was introduced in 2019, there's a roughly about a 30% increase in milk recording within the Dairy Gold milk supplier base. So that's a, that's a very important and useful initiative. And Dairy Gold, will, in my understanding, are continuing to support that. That sounds great. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Martin Kavner, Business Development and Sustainability Manager, Munster Bovine. Thank you very much indeed, Martin. Thanks a million. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Adam, welcome to the programme. Now, in this week's uh, paper, Irish Farmers Journal, you reveal that the establishment of a new Irish veterinary school has been under discussions. What's the background to all of this? Yes, John, this is a result of a campaign by a number of professionals in the south of the country um, over the last number of months. And they have seen frustration mount as to the number of places available for students to study veterinary medicine in Ireland. There are currently 85 places uh, for first years in University College Dublin. Uh, and just to put that into context, there was 581 students put veterinary medicine, Irish students that put veterinary medicine as their first choice on their CEO form this year. So as you can imagine, competition is very, very hot. And that means that a lot of students have to travel to places like um, Poland and Hungary. I understand there are 70 first years currently studying veterinary medicine in Poland. There are another 30 in, in, in Hungary and Budapest. So that's a big, big expense uh, to those students to go out of the country. This campaign um, we'll say, was led by a number of vets and the Higher Education Authority has this week issued a tender uh, for other colleges or, or, or we'll say, schools around the country to establish a veterinary school so that there can be two veterinary schools or indeed it's open to UCD as well. I understand that uh, University College Limerick and University College Cork are both have both expressed an interest already. So that's a real positive, I guess, for, for the veterinary profession. Look, at veterinary profession is under pressure in terms of attracting um, you know, students in and, and, and vets into the profession. I at- attended a, a conference last week in Charleville um, where, where it was said that vets currently spend about seven years practicing and they drop out due to the pressure of the job, due to the stress of the job. So it's really, really important that we're training more Irish vets, and I guess this is a positive story. Could we see, as a result of the interest by the southern vets generally, in general, could we see perhaps uh, the dream of a monster veterinary college being established? Yes, Jimmy Quinn, um, I would have spoke to him a number of occasions over the last number of weeks, and he would be very positive to a monster uh, school hopefully being established. Uh, and, and they would argue that that would be good from a, from an accommodation point of view in terms of Dublin being quite uh, full at the moment as regards getting student accommodation, that a Munster school like in Limerick or Cork uh, would be a lot better from a student point of view to, to keep it outside of Dublin. But I guess we'll watch this space and we'll see who, what colleges express an interest. And it is hoped that by September 2024 that it will be open uh, for students to begin studying in whatever college is picked uh, to pursue that. And when we talk about that date of 2024, we must bear in mind the realistic situation. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Construction, when it comes to planning permission, site surveys, and the actual construction workers, we temper that 2024 date with a, a realization that it must be a tough uphill battle to make sure those target dates would be met if, in fact, everything goes ahead. Yes, absolutely. I know that uh, University College Limerick and University College Cork are both training veterinary nurses at the moment, so I guess that will filter in to, to some of the, maybe the, the, the syllable uh, for, for, veteran, for veterinary professionals. And I guess maybe some of the groundwork there has been done already. But yes, you're right, there will be a lot more work uh, to be completed uh, before that course could start. So they're hopeful that it will start in 2024. Well, that certainly sounds hopeful. And regarding a veterinary college, I would imagine this would be of great use to farmers, uh, a move welcomed by Munster farmers, by Irish farmers in general, the establishment of a new Irish veterinary school. Yes, absolutely. Large animal vets are an integral part of, the, of, of, the, of every farm. We're very, very lucky in Ireland that we have a veterinary service that's really uh, high class. It's almost better than our doctor's service, to be honest, John. If I, if I ring a vet at half three in the morning with a calving case, I'll, I'll have a vet inside 20 minutes. Um, and and that's, that's really, as I said, integral and important to the, to the smooth running of that farm. I guess we've seen in recent years maybe the, the lure of, of small animal practice for some vets um, away from large animal practice. And essentially, in, in, in the west of the country, we're seeing 24-hour cover for vets being quite difficult. And I guess that leads to the stress and the pressures um, of, of covering that job all the time. So, so that means some people are dropping out. So I think this is, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important and, and hopefully it will, it will get the go-ahead. And, uh, of course, in terms of language, it will be far more convenient for Irish students to be taught through English rather than have to have some kind of familiarity with Hungarian or Polish or the language of the country, the foreign country they're studying in. So in terms of travel, accessibility and convenience, this would be a dream if we did manage to achieve the establishment of a monster veterinary college or an extra veterinary college anywhere in the Republic. Absolutely. I guess students are spending thousands of euros and taking out student loans and paying them back in their first few years of practice in order to get qualified in those foreign countries. And also it's not easy to go away maybe at, at 19 years of age and stay away uh, for months upon end and not being able to come back home. So I guess if that college was closer and it was in Ireland, it would be a lot more beneficial and a lot more easier 
uh, for the students that want to study it. In the Irish Farmers Journal, the journal of uh, Saturday 29th of October 2022, you point out that Turkish buyers are driving the wheeling trade and good prospects for later this year and start of new year, uh, hopefully. Yes, we broke the story this week. We have another exporter um, currently entering the market for Turkey. Um, obviously, Turkey was a very important market in 2017 and 2018. We exported 30,000 Wienlands over there. Unfortunately, the lira uh, and there was some uh, collapsed, uh, and there was some economic difficulty in Turkey, and that, is, that has led to no Wienlands being exported in the, in, the, in the recent years. But we're seeing that change in this year. We've got one uh, northern-based exporter um, has got to go ahead for a, for a boat load of 4,500 Wienlands by the end of the year. And we've seen another exporter enter the market this week for three boat load of 2,500 Wienlands each. So that's really driving the Wienland trade. It's putting a floor underneath that and be average quality Wienland. Um, you know, they're looking for Charlie limiting continental Wienland sort of average grade around three to 400 kilos. So we see every year, if we have a year of high exports, like live exports, we see two years later that the beef price is generally good because obviously those animals aren't available for slaughter when they're, when they're gone out of the country. So, yeah, all in all, it's a really positive one and it's positive at this time of the year because a lot of Wienlands are coming out at the moment um, and heading for sale. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Two very positive articles in the paper this week. Thank you, Adam, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Mr. Seamus Lorden, Chagas Dairy Advisor with the Chagas office in Codra McCroom in the west of the county. First of all, Seamus, welcome to the programme. Are there any upcoming events? Hello, John. Yeah, one event really I just want to mention, and that's uh, in relation to an organic meeting that um, is being held um, on Monday, the 7th of November at the Maritime Hotel in Bantry, County Cork. Um, it's on at 11 o'clock. Um, Chagas are hosting this meeting. It's a series of meetings that there are, are information meetings that they're holding across the country. The meeting is to, I suppose, is to help identify the changes that may be involved when you're changing your farming system, you know, and what steps are involved in becoming a fully certified organic farmer. Um, I suppose with the improved uh, payment rates now that there is um, interest in the organic farming and um, the anyone wishing to apply to, for the organic scheme. It is open currently and to be opened up to the 9th of December. So, look, if you are thinking about it, these um, meetings, um, information meetings are, um, you know, they're very important and they give you uh, plenty of information is available on the day. So, again, it's uh, Monday the 7th of November at 11am in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. And it's a free attendance and everyone is welcome. That's great, Seamus. Now, looking at the grass situation... So we, we can see out, if we look out the window any day or here at night, there's a lot of rain falling and um, grazing conditions are a bit tricky out there. But I, I suppose if we go through it, how can we manage uh, our grass that's out in the farm at the moment? Like some people are nearly gone through most of their grass and they'll be housed soon and that's not too bad. Or, and some people are in by night at the moment and they're out by day. But I suppose on other farms, then talking to farmers, they have a fair bit of grass available on the farm still, like, and, um, you know, it's what to do in these situations. Um, there's been, I think the growth rates have been pretty good all up to now. They will probably drop and they're predicting growth for even in the 20s to 30, I think, for the next week. And um, But there's still a lot of farms there who have covers of over 2,000 still to graze. So it's those ones that really, that you know, they're awkward to graze at the moment, John. So what we'd be saying for those is, look, for those situations, like, have you got multiple access points to these paddocks? Um, if you have, use them. 
you know, um, um, and in those situations, you know, the idea behind it is that you're only travelling over the, the area you're grazing once. Um, farmers will say it's the second grazing that really, if the cows are walking over the ground again for the second grazing, that's where the damage is done. And so try and prevent that. And um, in those situations, if you can get only cows in, graze at once, okay, there might be a small bit of damage. It's more, I suppose, the damage it might look uh, a bit messed. But generally speaking, if it's only the one grazing that they get there, they're not doing too much damage. They're not going down deep into the soil and they're not creating pockets where the water would be held over the winter. Um, that's where the big issue is, I think, John. If you, if um, they do a bit of damage there, you can see that the, there's kind of footprints are there and they're there for the full winter. If they go down a couple of inches and that just fills the water and it never dries. And, you know, it'll affect the root development, grass growth in for the spring and things like that. So... Wood grazing, if you can, you might have to use a back fence and spur roads as well, which I'm sure has been mentioned over the last few weeks and on farms as well when we're talking. So um, it's just a bit of work involved, unfortunately. But I think the rewards are there where you have the sward, good quality sward uh, available for next spring as well. Um, I might just mention as well, John, like a lot of lads there are, you know, there's silage going in as well in the diet in most places. And that's understandable because the dry matter of the grass can, is, is, is low at the moment. And even on the very wet days, it's down to as low as 11% dry matter, you know. So you can see, like, the cows, uh, physically, they won't be able to eat enough, um, get enough intake of grass alone. So in those cases, like, having a source like silage coming in um, is a good thing, really. Now, I suppose on the, on the flip side of having silage in the diet is the situation where if they have silage in the diet, the cows, you know, they generally don't eat out the paddocks as, as well. And especially if you have heavy covers, that is an issue. So look, in that situation, what we're saying is maybe if you can restrict the silage to the cows for maybe a couple of hours before you let them out, that would be a good idea. So they're not full when they go out. They'll be keen. They'll be head down straight away eating grass. And that's what you want, really. If they are full, they either lie down or they could just go walking around if, if, if it's a wet uh, conditions. And look, they'll only do more damage on the sward. So there are just a few ideas for, for the moment, really, John, what's happening out there on farms. Could you say a word or two about the realistic prospect of setting grazing targets for the end of October? Yeah, John, and I suppose it's kind of mixed up. What I was saying previously as well, like um, the minimum, I suppose, what we're hoping for at the moment of grass grazed or are your your home block graze over the grazing platform for the cows would be at least 60% by the end of October. We need that for the spring. You know, you need that. Um, that's that's your grass that you're going to graze in the springtime. Um, a lot of fellas will have more graze, and that's fine. You know, you might have 80 90%. Some farmers have nearly everything closed up at the moment, and that's grand because you'll have that closed. It's the situation where you want maybe 50% grazed or if the weather improves again, you'd be tempted maybe to go back out and graze some of the 60% that you've closed. So the target is roughly 60%. If you think about it, I suppose the stuff that you're grazing, these the paddocks you're grazing these days, these are the ones you're going to graze first in the springtime. So what you graze today, you'll be grazing in the first few weeks of, uh, I suppose, um, from mid-February up to the end of February. Um, and then obviously... I suppose, what you're grazing then, that you've closed up first, you've closed in the first few weeks of um, October, you'll be grazing that then from roughly the 1st of March to mid-March or to St. Patrick's Day. 
and then what you're going to graze from now on is what you're going to graze at the end of the year, really. So it's just a, it's one way of looking at it. You want a 60% uh, graze minimum at this stage. Um, ideally, the, the paddocks that you're eating now are the paddocks, as I said, they're the ones you're going to be grazing first. Um, they should be nearly the drier paddocks, ideally, because, you know, February is probably going to be, um, well, who knows what the weather, but generally speaking, you'd, you'd expect February the 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 um, side would be damper, wetter, um, you know, so you want to go to the drier paddocks, maybe closer to the yard. Good access points is the main thing, really, you know, so just think about the paddocks you're grazing now, that's in February, when you've uh, when the cows are going out first, you're, you're going to go for one grazing, but then you want to make sure they won't be going over it again. As I, as I was saying there earlier on, you know, farmers say it's the second grazing that does the damage, so you don't want to walk it over a second time, really. So again, any paddocks that are drier, closer to the yard, multiple access points, sheltered ideally, they're the ones really, and their covers roughly will be between 800 to 1200 anyway, you know. So they're the paddocks you're going to graze first. As I said, then you move on to the stuff, uh, the paddocks that you that you've closed up first, and they're they're the second bunch. They'll be your heaviest covers. You don't want to go into them first in the springtime. Um, because you know the cows will need time to adjust. So ideally, you go into covers, as I said, around 800 to 1200. Um, they're the ones you go into. So look, just a few targets. Um, it seems um, you know we always say it. You're planning now. What you do now will affect what you what you uh, do in the springtime. But one major figure is what we have there is, you know, for every day of grass, especially springtime 2000 or uh, 2023. It's going to be worth up to four euro per cow per day to get them out of grass. Look, um, that's got to do with, I suppose, the rising input costs that are there at the moment and the cost of energy and everything like that. So if we can get the cows out in grass, it's going to be worth up to four euro per cow per day. So that's what, what you're doing now is going to have major consequences for the springtime. Turning to clover, the great value of clover in retaining nitrogen in the soil, etc., etc. Could you say a few words about actually managing your clover swords and is there any remote possibility of clover bloat, but managing clover swords in general? You know, just to say in general that there's a lot of people there who have, um, you know, the last couple of years, especially in this year as well, you know, they, they are doing reseeds. And they've incorporated clover into the sward. So most farms don't have that much clover on the farm. We'll say maybe 20% of their farm has clover on it, you know, and the other 80%. Because they've only been doing it the last few years, really, in earnest, really, you know. Because um, up to then, yeah, some people might have tried to put, generally speaking, um, to the grass sward you were putting in. Now, obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on clover. And so for the, let's say, the 20% of, of the paddocks that you have on your farm that might be with clover... We're trying to look after them now and um, make sure that they will be there for a good few years. So the main thing to do with these paddocks is the ones that, I suppose, that have a nice bit of clover now, um, is to make sure that they're grazed. Ideally, in this week or the next week, the start of November is ideal for them. Look, we don't want heavy covers going across the winter with them. Um, Just from talking to farmers... um, I remember going out to one especially. He had a lot of clover there in the autumn time. He received it. He was very happy with it. In the springtime, he didn't have any. And, you know, we're all learning in this, but what, what he learned from it, really, he, he kept a high cover, and the, I suppose the, um, the clover got smothered, and it didn't come at all in the springtime. So what we're trying to do is graze it now, 
um, in the next week or so, conditions allowing, of course. What you want, you see, the idea behind that is that the light is required really at the base of the sward, and this is kind of to aid the stolon production and development. So if you have that, you know, you need to get the stolons to, I suppose, stolon production and development. So you you need them to for next year really for the um, for the clover to thrive. So it needs light for that to happen. So the idea is you graze at this time of year. Um, ideally, it's in your last third of what you're what you're grazing, and then this paddock now probably, you know, ideally when you're closing at the first of November, it will have less than 700 of a cover on it. You know, if you're measuring grass, and this cover then you can graze in the springtime. Ideally, you graze it early. So I know it's a bit different from what I'm saying. Maybe um, if you in the previous answer, but you're grazing it, you definitely want to graze it roughly in February again to keep the light coming down again for the stolon development, okay? So, look, you're, to keep the, those clover paddocks, as I said, look, everyone has maybe 10, 20%. Okay, if you have a high percentage of clover, it's a bit different. Which ones do you pick? I would always pick the, I suppose, the, the ones with higher clover, the ones that were received in the last couple of years. So they have a high percentage of clover and so you want to maintain that. So in those ones, as I say, Graze them now, um, and then, you know, ideally, if the conditions are good, like, obviously, um, you don't want to damage them, and then, you know, graze them again probably in the, in the February there. So you're, you're, you're bringing light down all the time, and so that'll help the clover plant um, survive and, exp- and thrive for next year as well, you know. Um, John, you were mentioning about bloat uh, management uh, for cows. Look, at the moment... I suppose the issue is it, it, it's very hard to, I suppose, give an answer to it because it seems to affect some farms greater than others. But look, if you have it, ideally avoid switching between, I suppose, grass only and grass uh, clover swards if possible. I know, look, as I said, there's only 20%, so that's not always possible. Um, if the cows are too hungry in the paddock, you know, they, they seem to just, you know, they'll go for the clover first. So, um I suppose the cows are fed to appetite, you know, and if you are have cows going out that are hungry, give them only a small section first until all the cows are there and then actually remove that fence so they'll have for their full grade. So you might be only giving them, I suppose, a fifth of what they have for that grazing, but only give them a small area so they'll be eating grass as well as clover so they won't just be selectively picking all the clover. Um, look, what else can we say? I would check them again after a few hours, the cows, because this is probably, you know, there's, there's lush uh, clover there. It is probably a high-risk time. There's a lot of uh, water there as well. So you just have to keep a look at them there. And also, look, provide the anti-bloating agent in the water supply and start the day before, a couple of days before you actually go into a high clover sward. You can't just wait till the morning. You have to actually go in a few days before. And as I said, the main thing is you have to keep checking them. Look, there's a bit of work in it, unfortunately, but there is probably a risk at this stage, especially for a lot of clover. But you just have to keep checking them every couple of hours, you know, um, there at the start, you know, in the morning after grazing. So hopefully that would help in that, that that to prevent uh, blood cases. And John, just one other thing there I forgot to mention is that, look, especially in conditions like this where it is wet and all that, a fibre source would be important, like if, if even... Look, it's not too bad if you're in day and night and things like that because you're feeding silage. But if not, even provide silage there or straw if you, if, if you wish at milking time if you're out full time still. And geez, up to a kilo of, of dry matter per cow roughly. You know, just a bit of fibre there would help actually as well. Changes to the organic nitrogen for dairy cows 
under the Nitrates Action Plan for next year, 2023. Under the Nitrates Directive next year, they're changing the organic in uh, nitrogen value uh, for dairy cows. Other animals are staying the same, but um, the dairy cows are changing. So currently this year, every cow is um, 89 kilos of nitrogen, organic nitrogen um, for the year. That's what a cow is. Next year, it's going to change, and they're, they're changing it based on the amount of milk supplied per cow um, over a three-year average. So that's so it's number of cows and the milk that they supplied um, over three-year average. So it's a rolling three-year average. So for next year, it's going to be over 2020, 21, and 22. And the lower band is at 80. So that's for your average milk supplied if you supplied under 4,500 kilos. So 4,500 kilos, that's kilos of milk now. But if you're, most lads are be talking in litres, so that's rough. I converted it there. It's 4,369 litres. Now, there wouldn't be many under that figure, to be fair. Most lads would be in band two, and band two is between the 4,500 kilos and 6,500 kilos of milk uh, supplied, as I said, to the co-op per cow. So the 6,500, that equates to 6,310 litres. So if you're in that bracket, which um, a lot of people will be, you know, they're going up from 89 to 92 kilos of nitrogen per cow. So it's only a jump of three kilos, so it's not a huge jump, but it's band three where people might get caught, and it's some areas um, where they have to look at their situation maybe. And these are herds that are supplying over the 6,500 litres per cow. Um, so they are, and that's the 6,300, sorry, 6,500 kilos, yeah, which is 6,310 litres. So any of those... And as I said, this is an average over the three years, 2021 and 22. If they're supplying over that, they're up to 106 kilos of nitrogen per cow. So that's a big jump from 89 to 106. So look, all I'm saying at the moment is something you'd want to look at and check out for your own scenario. Where do you fall? A lot of people will fall into band two. But if you fall into band three, it's something that might affect you. You might have been always been under 170 kilos per hectare on average and out of derogation. But no, that might bring you into derogation for next year. So that's something you may have to think about. Or also, you may be, you know, closer to the 250 kilo limit if you were in derogation already. So you just have to, I suppose, see where you are at the moment. And that's all we're saying. Um, do the calculations and, and assess where you are at the moment. And then we can make a plan for 2023. Um, talking to some farmers there, what are their plans for 2023 where it's affecting them? Look, they might decide to reduce a few cow numbers, they might lease extra land, they might contract rear out younger stock, or if they have um, a beef enterprise, they might reduce the beef enterprise. It depends on the person, um, you know, and and there's no formula for one, you know, it's, it's different for everybody really. So, look, all we're saying at the moment, we just want make people aware of the different bands that are there but maybe you should contact your local advisor and go through the figures with uh with you anyway but thank you very much indeed mr seamus lorden chagas dairy advisor code McCroom, office of chagas thank you seamus for all that information thank you john and that's farm talk for now i'm john o'connor thanks to barry o'mahony news editor 9613 fm news and marie tuig news reporter and it's 6.3 FM News for contributing to the programme again this week. And a special thank you to Murray Tuig for creating our podcasts of the Farm Talk programme. 
and thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.